episode 7 of Two Face Fake Snakes. This is the podcast from the little known Irish hip hop back to line, which would make me Professor T. And joining me, as always, is my co host, Dr. Toomey. We left off the last episode discussing the recording of our second album, uh, Snakes and Ladders. We were recording this with Dennis, aka Song Zhao, aka DJA Plus. And we're going to tell a few anecdotes that happened around that time uh, to us in our path trying to become rappers in Dublin in 2005-2006. And if, if we have time, we might make it towards some conflicts along the way, some beefs. Absolutely, our first beef as uh, rappers, and our final beef probably. Oh no, I'd say it's our second beef actually. Second uh, beef, If you count yeah. what happened with us and Stephen Bonner. Um, okay, so we're just going to play a little bit of a snippet from the song Music, which we briefly touched on in the last episode, and then we'll be right back with you. In the go. world today, people are moving so fast. Different faces, different places, can't remember the last time I stopped to take stock, to take a look around at my surroundings. I think if I did that I'd have found that people are so crazy, so busy, so fast, running in this human race, don't want to finish last. Watching this unfolding, people playing life as a game. Music is the only thing that keeps my mind sane. Take a break for a minute, relax, put on a song. Just to cut yourself off from the daily goings on The stress and the pressure, the deadlines to be met Don't forget to remember, to remember, to forget To fuck that, that's not what my life's about I strive to get these feelings out That's what this music is all about To break down the walls, to break right out The emotion takes over, mind racing through All the human traffic, what I gotta do Is spit it true, spit it new, spit it till I'm black and blue Maybe this music is what I was born to do This music means so much to so many different people when we listen to the rhythm it's like we're all equal no racial divisions no religious upheaval the love of the music blocks out the evil of the world today lyrical wordplay no hurt today it's a perfect way to escape from your landscape if you're feeling stressed put your headphones on forget about the rest it's the best way to express the way you feel when i'm writing i can't describe how good it feels people ask me why i started it this rapid shite i have to be a part of it you never know i might make it i take it Seriously enough, on the mic I'm more skillful The Damien Duff, a Damien Duff It's just like you or me, if he never heard music He'd feel empty inside as people hypnotise Magnetise the rhyme, recognise the line up Realise our time is now, she said sign up now Rap election, we rise to the occasion like a fucking erection I'd be lost without music, I'd lose my mind It's like a missing ingredient, you can always find When you need it, it gets inside I live in Okay, so that was a clip of the song Music from Snakes and Ladders uh, We mentioned that we were recorded that in our second recording session with Dennis and at this point though we were heading into our third session with Dennis and as your friend Rob would have said from Music City we were kicking ass we were kicking ass and I'm glad you remembered that uh, phrase that Rob from Music City taught me he was a sort of an older mentor fellow fellow who brought me out drinking and told me how to talk to girls and all this type of stuff Um, but that was one of his phrases which I think you adopted as well Yes, I say it in my daily life now. Grace says it as well, which is funny. Yeah, uh, and I think it's it's good. It works for, for the workplace as well, because, you know, when you start off in a job and you're just all over the place, you don't know what you're doing. And then after a month, then you suddenly you get the hang of it and then you're kicking you ass. You start kicking ass. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so that's, yes. that's the explanation of that. Um, but you were saying we were we were on top of the world. Were you? No, that was in my head. I, I don't think I didn't say we were on top of the world, but I mean, you know, that's what you took from what I said. I suppose the sentiment was similar. Uh, yeah, and I want to. So if we go back to that the previous uh, recording session we talked about in the last episode, we recorded two of our best songs, and that really lit a firecracker under our arse. As one, yes, uh, as Gaelic the phrase doesn't manager. go. A Gaelic football manager told me that phrase when I was ten years old, and I didn't. Firecracker know. or a fire. Uh, no, he said firecracker. He said, to me, there's a firecracker up your arse. <laughs> and I didn't know if he was trying to motivate me or was he saying I wasn't playing well enough and I needed to move around faster or I, I was just very confused. Ambiguous, really. Uh, yeah, is it praise? Is it encouragement? What is it? Yeah. Was he having a, like, a bit of laugh, a laugh for himself? or Maybe he was saying the equivalent of you're kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he was saying, currently you're not kicking ass, but you need to kick ass. And that's what the firecracker is there for. Yeah. And you just need to be around, like, exploding on everyone or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, a firecracker is a strange analogy as well, because, like, if it's like a banger. So it kind of just goes off once and then it's done. So, like, that's it. <laughs> so, surely, if there, you mean if there's a firecracker over my arse? 
if it was lit, then I would, I would be in big trouble during the match. <laughs> It'd be in huge trouble, or else maybe like uh, metaphorically, he means like you do go out and make one big play and you'd score a goal or a point or whatever it was. But uh, alternatively, like it's an explosive device that would uh, would blow off part of your your uh, posterior. And my and my reproductive system and everything down there. Yeah, you'd, you'd be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a confusing phrase, and that was that was to a ten year old as well. Um, Jesus. Yeah, but let's say there was a firecracker up our ass there after that second recording session, and then we I think we got into a routine and we said to Dennis, we're going to come back next week or the week after, and let's let's keep doing a few songs. And I remember also as well. This is my own personal uh, insight here. I remember furiously scribbling lyrics down, sometimes on buses on the way into town because I hadn't prepared anything in advance. Because to me, a lot of the time, unless I was uh, inspired myself privately, when we were doing this with Dennis, a lot of it to me was kind of like homework. So we'd have to go off and write lyrics to a song. And he was very much a teacher kind of presence, and especially with me. So I would be, like I did with homework or college work at the time, leaving everything to the last minute and furiously scribbling down stuff, sometimes on the bus on the way in. Um, so I was definitely up to that for this. But I find that uh, I find that sometimes your best work comes out in that furious panic. With me, it certainly does. So some of these songs I would have written like minutes before recording. And like your, your verses come out as really like thoughtful and well-crafted and deep like the lyrics are deep and meaningful that's always been your like signature style and there's lots of metaphors in there a double entendres and to think you, you're actually writing this on the bus <laughs> well sometimes i was writing it on the bus but i mean if it wasn't on the bus it was it was at home directly before getting the bus or sometimes the night before whereas my my style was completely different like i'd get the beat from dennis and i'd write it a few days before um yeah so it was just kind of different and I suppose that meant that I was sometimes maybe setting the tone for what we would write about because I would do it first. Pretty much always, and you would often send me your lyrics in a voicemail, and I'd either write something to that or I'd have that in mind when I wrote something. And you would often take it in a slightly different direction than what I would write about. So, for example, Quirky Bollocks, I, the whole gist of my verse was to say the number 16, 16 times in rhyme. And that was kind of regarded as quirky in the verse. But you kind of, you took it in a different direction, talking about um, sort of taking a piss take of the way rap rappers write lyrics. Pretty much, yeah. But but you kind of were as well, because you were like, I make my money writing 16 bars and at 16 years I have 16 cars and 16 children. You were rhyming 16 with 16 every time and you were sticking strictly to the 16 bar format uh, and you were kind of subverting writing yeah i was well. kind of i was highlighting that in a way that everybody writes 16 bar verses like that nobody deviates from that so i was kind of like yeah overplaying the the re- over reliance on 16 but you're i love your verse in that like will we play uh, a little clip of that yeah let's play quirky box stick a little clip on there i make my money writing 16 bars and in 16 years i love 16 cars and 16 children and 16 builders Working on my 16 houses, 16 spouses, 16,000 million people will have bought a 16th album with its 16 tracks, will have 16 acts supporting us on all of our world tours of 16 countries, maybe 16 more. Don't ignore, I'm saying 16, 16 times. I'm a prick with my 6, 6, 16 rhymes. And that's a true story. It's a true story. It's what's gonna happen. Yeah, so what you think of that trainer? Ah, yeah, you know, that's that's the type of shit you want, you know, that's the type of shit you want to hear. It's kind of quirky, yeah. like, you know, but, like, you don't you don't want to get to the stage where you think that everyone, you know, with a microphone in their hand thinks they can rap. It's yeah, just like, you know, what you you know I have lyrics because I wrote them in my room and I, I have experiences that I can rap about because I'm a rapper. You know, it's like, when you're writing lines, just make sure the words rhyme. Anyone can rap so long as you stay in time. With the beat, get yourself into a comfortable position. Just think of loads of words that end in ition. You'll be there all day with repetition if you keep fishing for the premonition of nutrition the preposition will prepare you for the preparation when you run out of ishin just start using asian at some stage try and get in masturbation then you have a one-way ticket to superstar station although by bar 11 it gets a bit tricky you get confused you better save this first quickly all you need is a sexy rhyming couplet but now you're fucked because nothing rhymes with couplet this is real hip-hop make no mistake about it and this formula well where would we be without it 
Okay, so that was Quirky Bollocks. Now, my timeline is all over the place. I have no idea when we recorded the rest of these songs. Uh, so we could have done two or three more sessions or four more sessions. I have no idea. But I think... So the intro song, actually, the lineup. So that was one of these songs. We, we mentioned it last time, just as we were closing up episode six, where um, our personalities and Dennis's personality came... Like, they clashed with one another because we were always trying to have humorous-type songs on the albums or uh, we were always trying to have humorous type lyrics in the songs and Dennis was like a no-nonsense disciplinarian kind of character and this uh, was one of the, the first times we we sort of came into conflict with Dennis yeah so we wanted to write a song who which of which the chorus was the lineup pitch a pa pa the lineup da chipicha yes and uh, he was like the most straight-laced uh like like a strict parental type of character and we were like taking the mick so I, I very much like there were times when we were recording with Dennis where I got that giddy laughter that I've only ever got before like in mass or in school yeah uh, where and we, both, we both got it <laughs> yeah well you know you're not allowed to laugh and you know you shouldn't be laughing but it's the nothing may have happened as well but whatever did or didn't happen it's the funniest fucking thing that's ever happened or not happened in the history of time <laughs> and yeah you just could can't be like- contain yourself yeah, and it could be like a, a smile or a facial expression, or you could yeah. stick out your tongue because <laughs> you know you're not supposed to. You know, or like a glance to be really serious, like yeah, and like or even just like <laughs> and uh, like it it, go, it it speaks volumes about the kind of power we had over us, where we we felt we were in one of those situations, like school or mass, like the most formal settings. Like I like I've only ever got that giddy laughter in the most formal of settings, and like recording music with Dennis was one of those settings and I think and I, I think what made it even funnier for us is that his his grasp of the English language while good it wasn't up to our standard so we could say really silly and strange lyrics or or strange things in our verses and a lot of times he didn't pick up on it but that was a, a source of frustration for me as well because I remember like I know I, I wrote my lyrics quite quickly in many occasions but what I wrote I always wrote I never churned out shite just for the sake of it. Like I was always, I could always stand over my lyrics. I was always proud of them, and I knew a lot of the meaning of them was falling on deaf ears with him. He just didn't understand. He didn't understand turns of phrase. He didn't understand wordplay. He didn't understand metaphors. He didn't understand most of what was in those songs. Like, and you'd be sitting there having done your best verse and wrapped like your best lines in your verse, and you'd be chuffed, and he'd be telling you to do it again and do it with more passion, and you're like. There is no passion in that particular sentence. Like, if, I, if I'm to do this and turn up the passion of that sentence, the meaning of it is lost. Uh, like, I remember thinking this many, many times when we were recording with him. Like, he didn't get it. He didn't get the, that the inflection on some of the lines should be of a different kind of cadence uh, than all of them, which he wanted all of them done with, with complete 100% passion. You're like, I'm telling a story here. Like, there's there's peaks and troughs. There's, there's nuances to this. And he, he didn't understand the nuance. Yeah, and I could tell, like, even all these years later, I can I can see the the frustration as you you say it, and I I remember remember that as well very clearly, and especially with I think with your lyrics and the way you wrote songs, I think you wrote songs in a different way than say like a rapper who kind of bases it on the rhyme or the rhythm, but your 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 verses were kind of like how I think a rock musician would write music, sort of deep double entendres kind of yeah as you said metaphors um kind of turn of phrases and he was missing all of this because he didn't have that the english language or he didn't have the irish culture behind him as well to to get what you were saying a combination of both and i think yeah you, you're spot on there but I, I was always i was always trying to tell a story in my lyrics because it's the only way i knew how not having had the background in rap that you had like listening to it almost exclusively so i used to always try and tell a story within even the space of 16 bars i tried to have a start and an end um like uh even sometimes like a bit of a conflict and a conclusion and i, I didn't even tr- i didn't try to do that that's just the way it came out actually all, it wasn't, all, it wasn't all of your verses had a beginning middle and end like a, a little mini essay and you were making a point throughout them and like I think in rap music in general, people start off with a bit of a point, but they skew off and they start like going into lyrical skills and things like that. And me as someone who is like, I suppose, listening more to rap music, I sort of my natural style was more like that. It was just sort of I'd have a general topic and I'd be flowing sort of around it, whereas you were kind of making a point as you went through. 
it's just the way it came out of me naturally yeah but it's i don't think either is better than the other it, it's just the way both of us wrote and we wrote differently and that was that's that yeah i don't i don't think between me and you we ever thought one of them was better but i think over time i think we were both happy sorry with each of our lyrics and i think we were in our heads in my head anyway we were both similar and we added so much to our different styles of of writing and we bounced off each other and it went together really well but i think with dennis he just focused on my style and he he got into his head that i was better Oh, absolutely, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was. I didn't know we were going to get to that. So yeah, well, <laughs> we sort of got into it. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so Dennis didn't like me personally, and he didn't rate me as a rapper. And those are things that I've always felt, uh, and I couldn't connect with him because I felt that from him straight away. So there was no room for a relationship to grow there because from the off, he almost had his mind made up about me, and I didn't have anything in common with him really. Um, so I felt I couldn't relate to him at all. And I would even try to make conversation with him, but it was like pulling teeth. And sometimes those situations just never improve. And this is one of those that didn't. There was never any crack or banter. That's another thing I really didn't like about the relationship. It, it was so formal to the point that there was never... Like, we got there. We didn't chat for half an hour or anything. It was like we got there and it was straight to business. And it was like he didn't know anything about our personal lives. He didn't care. Uh, we didn't know anything much about him except that he was doing music production. And it was just like straight down to business, no crack, no banter. There were some cases of banter during the recording, but that was driven by us. And he would have preferred if there was none. That, well, that's my opinion anyway. Absolutely. And he, he was deeply uncomfortable with any sort of banter. And in his mind, rap should have been like hip hop. Like that kind of what I, what me and you saw is just American rap, which is authentic to New York and, and all those places. Um, but if we're Irish people from fucking Sally Noggin and Kleine and Glenagiri, that's where we came from. Like, we want to just rap as ourselves. We don't want to, like, copy people from, uh, or just become cliches of uh, copy people from America. I suppose it just on the thing you said about having nothing in common with Dennis, at least I had the shared interest in obscure rap music really like jay diller or whoever yeah you always had that and i remember you, you would have a five minute conversation about that when we arrived and i'd be sitting there like twiddling my thumbs and we didn't even have smartphones back then so i couldn't even fucking do anything <laughs> yeah so I, that kind of started a, a sort of a gradual uh he sort of got in between the two of us in a way he sort of yeah he started then telling me oh you're you're like he when you weren't there he was like you're more of a rapper you you flow more because that's what he was like picking up on like because yeah. like i knew about the underground rappers that he knew about and i was rapping in a way that he thought was the best way that the other rappers were doing so then he saw me as a rapper and he saw you i don't think he got what you were about he didn't get your lyrics the way you rapped you didn't get your sense of humor he didn't know anything to, to bond with you and and with me as well he was incredibly serious and i think it all came to in a funny way it came to a bit of a head in it a sort of a sign of things to come when we recorded the song Quirky Bollocks. Universal Love, yeah, sorry. I'm talking about Universal Love. So Universal Love was a song where we just took off accents. So there was an, a posh English accent. Uh, there was a, I think we talked about this in a previous episode, now that I said, there was a Mel B rip-off accent. Yeah, there was a I think French it was on a previous episode, but it could have been one of the episodes we scrapped. I can't remember, yeah, but it was it was all just accents, They basically. Funny, humorous, witty accents. It's like the, the the joke was that we were doing accents, and that was it. That was the yeah. joke. And it wasn't really. It was a mess song. We were like having a laugh, and I just remember like him sort of being really pissed off, as if we'd offended him, and we'd offended hip hop to be in his studio doing funny rhymes with accents. Oh, yeah, and I seem to remember him looking cross while he was recording it. And this is like a person who's like 23. Like, you can't be cross when you're 23. But, sorry, it's not all negative. There's a, I have some positives as well that I'd like to discuss. So, he used to make me take, do multiple takes over and over and over again. And, to be honest, I wasn't as good a rapper as you. I found it quite well, hard to stay I, I in I don't time. agree with that. I think he's brainwashed you into that. And I think, no. I think what, what, I, what I mean is, sorry, let's not say, we're not talking about the different styles here, but I find it harder than you, and that's still the case today, to stay in time with the beat. I find it more difficult than you do. You can often get your songs done in one or two takes, whereas it takes me longer. And that's that's just a fact, and that's fine. I'm completely comfortable with that. But 
because of that i would take longer to get my verses down than you would and then with each additional attempt at recording your confidence kind of goes down a bit uh so my, he was chipping away at my confidence which i later wrote about in a song but it's a lot of the time it drove me to the point of anger and it was a kind of i'll show him who's fucking shit type of anger and then i would do my best take and that happened a lot of times uh, yeah and, you'd pull it out of the bag kind of thing and uh, yeah and i've read autobiographies or watched music documentaries with different bands where that's like a common enough approach from producers they kind of knock you down to build you back up again and whether he was doing it consciously or unconsciously that's what the end result was he would i would think i'd done an okay verse towards the start and then by take 10 i'd be like at my lowest self-confidence but maybe by take 12 or 15 i'd be like i'm just gonna fucking destroy this and then i'd come out and i'd, I'd do it like my best take and then that would be the one we'd, we'd keep so he yeah. did that a lot with me and it, w- and it would be a really high quality take as well yes so his quality control was quite good i have to say um and if he if we, if we were too friendly and jokey maybe he wouldn't have got the best takes out of me so th- that's one positive it that the relationship gave us it it lit a, a firecracker up your ass <laughs> I was taking a drink as you were saying that and he didn't want to spit it everywhere. Uh, (laughs) It was up your arse all that time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he really, like, with all of that, he had this professional setup. He had hardware, he had software, he had microphones. He was pushing us to perfection. And the sound quality to this day from something that was made on a no budget or anything from 2005, it, it actually sounds pretty good and probably better sound quality and better energy in the songs than anything we've probably done subsequently i don't know if you'd agree with that yeah i know i do agree with that yeah it is better sound quality and we did things like doubling and we did uh i remember doing the odd time doing verses in pieces as well because it captured it better sometimes especially when there was a particularly hard syllable exchange between the end of one line and the start of another maybe this was just me but i remember dropping in mid recording uh, and finishing off the verse more than once as well which is something we never really did before or since but it's seamless and the recordings you don't notice it like yeah he was the best best producer we had in terms of those um the precision that he had he just I think he was the best producer we had there's no need for a qualifier he just yeah <laughs> he was a great producer and he was a dj as well and he had contacts in in rap and he pushed us to do gigs and stuff as well um, did he? I I don't remember that aspect of it now. But like when we we did gigs, we maybe we'll go on to the the gig we did towards the end of the, of that album, Eamon Doran's. He pushed us to like have T shirts uh, printed out with like a photograph of ourselves and a, like a sort of a logo lineup logo on it uh, to print out posters and put them around. Like on our first gig in Dunleary, he had, he had posters up around Dunleary. Flyers, man. Flyers. He got us yeah. into that. Um, he he wanted us to to progress. Like he had a vision behind us. He thought, as he said, "I make heat. I make heat." We're taking the piss, and it's business as usual. We're going over the top, and things get unusual. Confuse you, delusional. Your minds are polluted. Presenting cameras, action doom. The funeral. This album is sicker, and by sicker I mean slicker. But I also mean sicker and twisted and strange. Beyond this exterior, I'm secretly deranged. Let me explain to you, people who professor T is. I've got the alter egos and the Bernie Reeveses. I'll take you by surprise with the tricks up sleeves. When it's all said and done, we be bigger than Jesus. Jesus, what you think? I'm not serious. Please, I'll take you by surprise. Like your first period of geography Or maybe accounting So line up boys and girls and get ready for the mounting Ranges and changes to albums and counting The line up The line up The line up The line up Okay, so that was the song The Line Up That was the opening track to the album Two Face Face oh, Jesus, the album uh, Snakes and Ladders um, Yeah, so I, I was always very happy with my verse on that uh, but I'd say that was one of the ones where he pummeled me into the ground until I got my best take because my timing has never been as good I don't think than on songs like that and songs from that era so uh, Dennis definitely got that out of me despite the personality clash he got that out of me the timing and the energy in that in your verse and that and the clarity of it is brilliant and there's, the jokes are all there it's just such a such a great song that sums up the time of our lives that we were in at that time yeah and, and a song that went down quite well live when we did it there recently actually to people who'd never heard it before and i think that's one point we made recently as well about the songs from this era they uh, translate much better 
on first time listening to to complete strangers than anything that we've done recently. Yeah, uh, yeah. The things we've done recently are more, are lower tempo and less uh, less excitement, less firecrackers up ours, and uh, worse, worse. Other things up the arse, fucking uh, <laughs> creams and stuff to to combat hemorrhoids. Sorry, I don't know where. It goes. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where going going with that uh, metaphor. <laughs> Anusol. Yeah, Anusol. Yeah, we've all used it. There's a cream, and then there's stuff you actually put up your arse. Okay, now never go um, as far as suppositories. But anyway. Depositories, yes. Suppositories uh, or sub- depositories? Suppositories. Suppository. Yeah. Is it depositories? No. no, it's suppositories. Okay. Depositories I'm certain, now, even though I've never used them. You're certain. Uh, Another right. song that was great was uh, Travelling Through Rhyme. Ah, yes. This is this is another Toomey special where you came up with a really unique idea, actually, where you were commentating on your commute uh, and also talking about rapping yeah because i used to go into trinity college every day on the dart the train for about half an hour and we used to go by like dublin bay and it, it was a really nice view out to just like the blue kind of the sea the irish sea and yeah i just i kind of i made that into a rap about thinking about my life and thinking about just reflecting in general as i'm traveling on a commute and also reflecting on how we had all this beautiful scenery that the sea on one side as we're going along the train, but everyone else on the train is stressed. They're in their suits. It's rush hour. And just reflecting on growing up and sort of getting into that kind of rat race life and trying to detach a bit from that. So that's where the, the sort of idea from Travelling Through Rhyme came. The rat race, another recurring team, uh, theme in all of our songs. The second only to the theme of snakes. Rats and snakes. Um, and that song we called, we we recorded a song called Rat Race in our Southampton era, which is probably the lowest point of our career. Yeah, Rat Race, baby, no, no, no. Yeah, it was absolutely diabolical. Oh. Okay. And it was recycled verses as well in that song, but we won't go into it. Um, but I love, I really love your verse on Traveling Through Rhyme. It's my probably one of my fa- probably my favorite verse of yours. Really? I was going to say, this is another case where I stapled on a verse to something that you had executed brilliantly. And I was like, okay, I'll do a verse as well. So I just wrote a verse by being on the bus rather than the train. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we might play it now. But I just want to quote one of your uh, lines before we play it. In Dublin bus, we trust to bring us places. I just love that start. Like, sit face to face with all these nameless faces. I was thinking of um, In God We Trust from the American uh, one cent coin or the penny uh you know has abraham lincoln and it says in god we trust and i think i must have seen it in a film i think it was even in i think it was actually from watching miracle on 34th street have you have you seen that film yeah i know that film <laughs> and uh the whole plot hinges on the words in god we trust written on the currency written on the american currency because Santa Claus is up in court and they're trying to determine whether or not Santa is real and it comes down to the thing is it doesn't matter if he's real because our whole country is based on trust in an entity trust in God so in God we trust but I think that left an impression on me and uh, I was looking for something that rhymed with bus so trust rhymes with bus in Dublin bus we trust I hop on the train just before it leaves feel the summer breeze 17 degrees and I can I can see it in the air on my chair I stare out the window life is so simple when you're moving to a new destination the past is the station the present is the waiting for the dark to start again after it stops 65 more people hop on the train of thought to the future we're going not knowing what it holds commuters looking serious composed holding poles in one hand a briefcase as these faces look stressed almost depressed and we're moving past Dublin Bay it's blue and beautiful but people look the other way to their worries everybody in a hurry to get to work I'm a deep contemplation as we proceed with no need for conversation disc mans and phones provide the entertainment people waiting at the door before the dart stops I can't work it out this life is start stop where are we heading where do we go life keeps moving go with the flow where are we heading where do we go life keeps moving go with the flow where do we go? Life keeps moving, go with the flow. Where are we heading? Where do we go? Life keeps moving, go with the flow. Where are we heading? Where do we go? Life keeps moving, go with the flow. 
keeps moving, go with the flow In Dublin bus we trust to bring us places Sit face to face with all the nameless faces And patiently await our destinations Donnybrook station overheard conversations It's amazing what I'm facing all these perfect strangers Are they serial killers or are they just park rangers? And what do they carry inside their briefcases? They're innocent, unproven, guilty, my mind races Do they know where they're going or are they just hoping That the path they've chosen will someday open The doors of something bigger, something better Something they can write in a letter to a friend and say Hey I'm proud of myself and of my achievements And where I am today is a result of my believing in myself I decided that I wouldn't betray my dreams one day on the 46A Where are we heading? Where do we go? The life keeps moving, go with the flow Where are we heading? Where do we go? The life keeps moving, go with the flow Where are we heading? Where do we go? The life keeps moving, go with the flow Okay, so that was a clip of Travelling Through Rhyme, uh, one of the more unique songs on that album, actually. Um, so looking through the rest of those songs, uh, there was Rapper's Plight, which was uh, a song about... Well, it was a song about a, a semi-imagined and semi-real situation that we found ourselves in regularly, which was when you told somebody you were a rapper or when they found out that you did rap, they would often say to you on a night, do a rap. And that was one of the most frustrating things for anyone to say because you were put on the spot and they wanted you to fail. It wasn't like do it and do it well. It was like do it, you fucking prick more kind of like that type of approach. Yeah, there was a kind of a snideness to the way they asked. Like it was kind of you're being teased into doing it. And you, it might have been and for me, it was with different groups of people that I mightn't have been comfortable with and like nights out when you just want to be in the background sometimes and when people heard that you're a rapper it becomes the centerpiece of their night either because they want to laugh at you or they're imp- impressed by it or both of the yeah, same yeah and I think so we, we played this up obviously we kind of played it up more than was real on, on in the lyrics of the song but it is based on an actual real thing an actual real thing that happened quite a lot um Yes. Uh, okay. Um, and, that, and that at the time, that went on for many years. I think just to, to go into it a bit more, it was like, it, it was actually, it. I suppose it, it became such a thing for me that I stopped telling people that I was a rapper. Because once they found out, it literally was every night, every single night yeah. you went out. And well, the so first you had more... Times, you had more like football nights out and all that type of laddish shite than I would have had going on in my life at the time. So I'd say that like in those situations, you'd you'd be more likely to find people who would be trying to take the piss out of you and that type of stuff. Yeah. And I remember once I was in uh, Club 92 in Leperstown and I was with my girlfriend, Liz, and I was in the Jacks and she was just out beside the bar and a couple of the football people came over to her and they basically started taking the piss out of me to her so they they said to her so what's it like going out with a rapper oh what's it like does he think he's cool does he think he's jay-z and i just like because when i would rap to them they'd say it's brilliant so so they were two-faced fake snakes to go to go back to that again (laughs) (laughs) they were the worst offending two-faced fake snakes (laughs) so they were they were sort of taking the piss out of me behind my back so then I, i sort of became a bit paranoid about rapping again because I thought well maybe people are actually using it as a stick to beat me with which is the kind of, kind of what I was paranoid about before I th- heard things like that so like get you to do a rap but give you enough rope to hang yourself type of thing yeah and then like it's like you, you know if someone takes out a guitar on a night out and you're like oh they're great and they played all these songs and but there's a part of you that thinks, ah, oh, fucking prick with the guitar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it depends. Sometimes, sometimes it's appropriate. Like, but if I was, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. If I was in a hostel and some prick took out a guitar and like we were only pre-drinking and like it wasn't that time of the night, then I think it was an asshole. But like, if I was in a house party later, like at two or three in the morning, and somebody took out a guitar, I think then it'd be more appropriate. But yeah, I know what you mean. That sort of, you have that sort of mixed feelings about the per- the performer. Yeah, kind of thing, and especially with rap, it was still kind of taboo. There, were, there wasn't many white rappers around at the time. It wasn't supposed—you weren't supposed to do that, especially as a football player, and as an Irish person from South County Dublin. Who does he think to- he is anyway? With all his rapping, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I kind of really got that vibe, and I was someone who, again, I wanted to be in the background. I wanted to keep my head down in certain situations, but if people knew you were a rapper, you were suddenly center stage. 
you didn't have that option to be shy shy and quiet anymore people had a preconception about what you were like before they really knew you and i found it uh, bolder yeah <laughs> I, thought so I was looking for a better metaphor than that you wanted to be the repo man rather than stone cold steve austin <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you later wrote about yes <laughs> I wanted to be a low, mid to low card rapper, and but also that main eventer when it suited me. <laughs> yeah. So you wanted to get in the main event of Raw the odd time, just you know for the, the limelight and the glory. But you really wanted to be a curtain jerker at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. You didn't find that as much, did you? Or I did to a degree, but I didn't move in the same type of circles as you did. So you usually when people said it to me, I think they were coming more from a place of give us a rap rather than do a rap yeah, kind of like but it was still annoying especially when you weren't in the mood for it and i know that sounds fucking i don't know what it sounds it sounds arrogant or something saying that like but it was annoying because you would never find out somebody was a singer and go give us a song you, that didn't happen it was because it was kind of a novelty skill and people because of the broad appeal of the film eight mile i think people once they heard rapper assumed that you were excellent at freestyle rapping and doing rap battles so they didn't think that you went and recorded songs in a studio and put them on a cd they thought like oh this guy's a rapper oh well then he's going to be able to do deadly freestyle rap and i have that right to demand it from him because that's what he's decided to do it so he fucking better do it for me now so So, you're gonna ask him to rap and demand rap on demand exactly so you did get a bit of that yeah but then it it could work in a positive way as well like you said sometimes you want to be in the main event so if you were in the particular mood at the particular time sometimes it could help you out of a situation as well like it could you might be feeling awkward in a social group but like i remember when i started college in first year that was around this time and one of the girls in my class jumped all over this she thought it was brilliant and she was introducing me on nights out and she was like he's a rapper and for some reason like on those nights i was always really confident about it and i could do it really well i could do it on demand and it, it was flawless but then depending on the group you were in if you felt really really self-conscious or if you felt like uncomfortable uh sometimes it would go really badly and i think we've both had ex- experiences of that where you ended up feeling like a fucking idiot and also so sometimes that was the goal of the person asking you at the time was to make you feel like an idiot it's like who does he, who does, who does he think he is anyway with all his rapping i'm gonna bring him down a peg or two bring him back down to earth the prick i'm gonna make him rap on the spot yeah and then if you refuse, you can't fucking win then because if you do it and you're feeling ridiculously uncomfortable, you're going to do it badly. And if you refuse to do it, you're just being a diva and everyone hates you. So you, you can't fucking, you painted yourself into a corner. <laughs> That's the flip side of being an artist or performer. Yeah. As the lyrics went in the song. I think well, those I think were some you... of the most autobiographical lyrics either of us had wrote. Jesus Christ, do you have nothing else? Fuck Jesus, lad. We appreciate you all that want to relax on our nights out, you know? Do a rock! <laughs> Have a few drinks. Jeez. How are you going to be impressed with it anyway? What do you want from us? I don't like to paint myself into a corner, but that's the flip side of being an artist or performer. I deviate from the norm, just something creative to do with my life. Although I'm a contemplative person by vital signs, signs of the times. See, if you want to be someone, you better stand in line. Pick up the paycheck for the job, you couldn't give a fuck about those people. Each day you're down on your luck, you step outside in that stupid shirt and tie. And slowly wave goodbye to your dreams and the screams inside get louder. Each day get louder. I've got to get out. To live that life I wouldn't be proud of Now that doesn't mean I'm not an ordinary human being I'm only 19, not used to being a man I've got my doubts, but at least I've got a plan But that doesn't mean that I can rap on demand So stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me Stop fucking asking me to rap on demand Stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me Stop fucking asking me to rap on demand Stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me to rap on the man. Stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me, stop fucking asking me, I'm only a man. 
I'm walking through the valley of doubt in my mind Made my mind up a long time ago not to whine in my flows I designed with the oh my god what's he saying Only Gaelic playing MC and DJ and not saying he shouldn't combine the two But if I was in his shoes I wouldn't make a fool of myself Putting pressure on myself to perform Easy way out he said just conform I'd be like us 46A bus No risks no rush you won't remember us But fuck that we took that life and we're happy Who does he think he is? Anyway, with all this rapping, yo, I think I'm to me. You think you know me? All you two face fake snakes can fucking blow me. I'm Dublin's greatest. I love to play this way with the words, word play the way this is done as perfection, artistic direction. I'm wiser than splitter on the intersection. Yes, I'm a rapper, but I'm a person too. With the motherfucking lineup, who the fuck are you? 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 To ask me, the man. Who the fuck are you? Christ stop asking me, God stop asking me, Satan stop testing me, Jesus stop asking me, Christ stop asking me, God stop asking me, Satan stop testing me. Ah, lads, we're only, only messing. We appreciate your interest. Yeah, and this was actually a thing that went on. We talked about this for many years. The playing the rap card we used to talk about. So this is when you're getting to know a new group of people, maybe new work colleagues. And you could you could use it as a shortcut to popularity. So you, we used to do that ourselves, too. So you'd play the rap card. You'd go, you'd like slip it in. Oh, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a rapper, by the way. Yeah, I, I can rap. And then you, you'd rap on the night out and you do a good job and you're happy as Larry. But it was a double edged sword. <laughs> so if you play, if you play the rap card, you couldn't unplay it. No, that's true. One side of the sword was you were forced into the main event, which is what you secretly wanted. Yeah, and you didn't want to have to do the work to get there because you weren't didn't have the personality to do the work. Um, so you were pushed right up the card into the main event. But what happened then was you had to perform like a main eventer every single time, and you didn't have that in you. <laughs> you didn't have a WrestleMania main event every Saturday night. Yeah. And then people used to resent you for it. Mm. And, and then, then I, I think tr- it yeah, exactly. Sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, you go on. I was just going to say, yeah, if you tried to unplay it then, that was the end of it sometimes. It was just like you were, you were, you were, you were fired, <laughs> basically. If you refused, yeah, you'd kind of, you'd, I don't know, you'd let people down. Yeah, you'd alienate yourself then. Yeah. And I really think it, it did, like, especially with people you don't know that well, I think, as I said, it gives them the wrong impression, maybe, of what you're like as a person. Yeah, because you, you appear more outgoing and comfortable in your own skin than you really are. Little did they know that you're not outgoing at all and every, your every thought is paranoia. <laughs> yeah. Um, so paranoia and sort of social anxiety and shyness. And self-hatred. And self-hatred. <laughs> doesn't necessarily obviously mix with rapping <laughs> loudly and obnoxiously. <laughs> so I think exactly. it was a mind fuck freely for people. Yeah, really. and you know what? I think... To bring this into a much kind of deeper area, I think this is part of the reason why we never really made our songs publicly available after this point. Yeah, I think because so, after yeah. this album, like we handed this CD out, and we like everyone had it. People had it on their iPods. Loads of the lads still have it. Lots of even acquaintances have heard this music. Like on people these songs, bring, people still bring it up at us to to this mm. day. Like they bring up these the songs. songs. But after this. We didn't really circulate our music at all. And there's an episode in itself on that topic. But just to briefly touch on it now. Uh, and we never completed an album after this. No. That'll probably come later as well. But we both had such hang-ups based on this time in our live, lives. sorry, um, Because of all of the complications that came with it. Uh, that we never really we never really progressed beyond this point. We never really. got past it. And I think it was it was very close to the bone of... The problems I was having with my own personality, which was, and it was related to drink, really. It was being loud and outgoing and jovial in certain situations. And then I suppose my perception of my real self, who I really was, was was actually much quieter and sort of more sensitive. So I was struggling with that juxtaposition between the two of them, um, like presentations of myself throughout my 20s. And this kind of 
rapping thing actually made that worse. Exacerbated it. Yeah, amplified it. Because I was was at this performing monkey or someone who was trying to hide away from the rap guard and and just didn't want anyone to talk to him. Yeah, (laughs) it's like... It's, it's something that's happened to me recently, but it's not nearly as bad. Like, but it's like feeling uncomfortable in a job and then going for a promotion and then feeling more <laughs> uncomfortable. Because <laughs> you're, in and you're going, I was already you're uncomfortable. What the fuck am I doing going for a promotion where I have more responsibility and I'm going to feel less comfortable? But you do it anyway. Yeah. And then you're screwed because you've been promoted and now you have to go around talking to people and stuff. Yeah. So we promoted ourselves into rappers where we were already really uncomfortable in our own skin and used alcohol as a crutch to have a personality on tap. And then we went and fucking amplified the entire thing by being rappers. And then the expectations that were low to begin with, which we already couldn't deal with, were amplified massively to the point where they were so high that it's... It was unfathomable. <laughs> and that's uh, to the point where we d- we never released any music for 15 years after that. And I think for me, it was like that, that fear of drawing to my attention to myself because I thought other people would look negatively upon me for being a rapper or thinking I'm great at being a rapper. I just I thought I thought when people heard that, that it was socially unacceptable and that it would push me into a role that I wasn't comfortable being in. So it became the the thought of, of releasing music to other people became uncomfortable for me over time. Yeah, it became like a millstone, I think, around our necks. And then we just, we still continued, we still persevered with things, but really, we never really tried in any meaningful way to make excellent music or we never tried in any meaningful way to promote the music we had made yeah never again so moving on from that <laughs> Wow. We have the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> and I think really dance floors are a metaphor. No. Um, I, I can't really say too much about dance floor in my point of view uh, because I'm, I don't want anyone to know <laughs> about what I rapped about and stuff. So Yeah, no, it's just a song. Really, I mean, what, what was this for 2005? We were both single at the time. Uh, a song about dancing in a nightclub. I think specifically I was writing it about Bondi Beach because that's where we used to go at the time. Uh, practically every weekend and it was just about fucking trying ridiculously hard to like score a girl on the dance floor and I think in my case it was trying and failing um, and mine as well yeah pretty much yeah one thing we didn't mention was the Bernie Reeves interview the skit that we put on the album uh, and the Dennis Blair skit as well um, so we were and, and actually the takeaway skit actually we should just mention all of these like we, we can mention them in passing but I was heavily influenced by Eminem at the time so were you but I was also kind of quite influenced by the Tenacious D album that was out at the time um, which was littered with skits as well so they'd have these talking kind of comedy spots throughout the album and uh, so we were determined to put skits in to break up the album and the first one we did was the Bernie Reeves interview skit so Bernie Reeves uh, made an appearance there on the last episode or the one before maybe where we played a clip of our recent gig uh, but he is the Scottish journalist character that I made up when we started doing sketch videos and we also included them in this and it was basically me as Bernie Reeves interviewing you but each time I asked you a question you answered in a different accent and portrayed a different character and it was actually it was very funny it was completely off the cuff and unplanned but we just decided we should do something to break up the album I was wondering if you could describe what in the name of fuck was going on in your mind when you're writing lyrics like that I mean it's quite sick really if you want to be honest about it Yo, it's all to do with society. You don't have to be asking me why I'm right now. You you want to be saying, why am I thinking like that? And that's because I'm being kept down by the likes of you journalists who don't give me the credit I deserve. You and your, your crew all up in this room trying to do hip-hop with a Scottish accent. You're not flying over here, boy. 
I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, you've confused me, and quite frankly, I'm baffled by your constant use of uh, language. That really makes no sense to me. But, uh, so all of these skits were placed in the album, uh, but they were placed with purpose. They weren't just randomly thrown in. And I remember giving Dennis a track listing of how we wanted the track the se- track sequencing sorry and uh how we wanted the tracks to be sequenced on the finished cd because he was going to go off and uh, master this for us and produce a cd of it and he came back and he had put the tracks in a completely jumbled nonsensical order with the skits thrown all over the place randomly for example the would you like lies with that the takeaway skit didn't lead into that at all uh the dennis blair skit didn't lead into two-faced face things and this this kind of displays more how he really didn't understand what was going on on that album because had he understood he would have realized that those skits were essential to understanding the next song in sequence and he just might as well have put the fucking thing on shuffle the way he gave it back to us and i remember being really annoyed about that yeah and he he made such a big deal about him deciding the order of the tracks yeah and i remember one time he was giving us a selection of beats to record a song to and one of them was I didn't even know, I didn't understand the term, but he was like, it's a breakbeat. And I was like, yeah, I'll use that. And he was like, no, no, you can't put those lyrics with a breakbeat. And I was like, why not? He's like, because it's a breakbeat. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, who wrote these fucking rules? Like, <laughs> and, and if they did write them, rules are fucking made to be broken, especially in music. Like, you don't just stick to a set of rules. There'd never be any innovation. There'd never be any progression. Nothing would ever change. I just uh, I I disagree with him on so many things. Like I uh, yeah, and I think rap music, for some reason, is one of the most musics where people do try to stick to the rules of what other people have said, the types of things they rap about, the the way to rap. The that st- the bravado is still there. It's two thousand and eighteen, and people are still rapping the same way they did in nineteen ninety two. It's like people think for rap, for some reason that that you have to have a particular image and you can't deviate from that. Whereas in all other forms of music, people have took it different directions and been free and creative. But people still feel in rap that you have to go back to to the way it was when it was first created, which was authentic and, and fresh back then. And some of the best songs ever written in rap back then. But we're Irish. We're f- like, again, we, we're not like that. So why you can't not be yourself, especially in rap music, which is well, a really personal type of music. You shouldn't try not to be yourself. You should... You should you should write like a cliche but you should write what you know and i mean every like i said in one of the previous episodes everybody who's lived and who's still alive has a story to tell it might not be interesting but if you're in any way creative you can craft the lessons you've learned in your life and you can craft the stories and events that have happened to you into something interesting you don't have to have lived in a ghetto you don't have to have struggled you don't have to have had any of the hallmarks of an artist in order to be able to produce art because art comes in many forms and the mundane and the everyday can be fucking really interesting depending on how you choose to present it but uh, anyway yes okay do you know what i'm thinking uh this episode is coming to a natural end at this point uh we've been going for quite a while and i don't think we're gonna get to the Eamon dorns gig or maybe the big steel story or the collaboration or the search search scratch or the kind of the down the what's the word the down the downfall yeah we've been going about an hour here so i think we could wrap this one up yeah i think we could okay so we're gonna wrap it up here we'd like to thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time thank you see you next time